we got a real simple plan. One man, one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. Is this the year, the week, that the hard luck children of the corn finally get things started on the right foot? We'll be looking at some brown mustard taking on Illinois picks galore. And how do you like your ribeye? I like mine medium rare and paid for by Pete Thamel. That's what's going to happen in the race for the ribeye. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, August 26th. Reese Davis with you, as always, along with Pete Thamel. And Pete, here it is. Did did you wake up this morning with a a little extra energy, a few more butterflies, knowing that um, after our long nightmare, we're going to have some uh, college football on Saturday? I am uh, I am over the moon beyond excited. I, I I took a look at the uh, the slate last night when we were uh, pondering picking games, and I envisioned how I was going to uh, spend my Saturday, my my TV setup, and uh, you know when there'll be multiple games on. And I have one TV in my house that I can use the ESPN app on with the four games, but it, it seems like this weekend we may need some different channels, some different partners coming in. So I might have to go to my office. For, for a different situation. So no, there's been some, there has been some serious planning in, in effect uh, to make sure that every morsel of UTEP North Texas is digested. You know, I really hate to sound like I'm just promoting the company. I mean, we're all proud of where we work and all of that, but on a, on a full slate Saturday night, there's not much better than being able to put four games in the four boxes on, on that one app if, if you've got the screen that'll hold it. Now, one of the things that I look forward to, as much as I love doing college game day, it's the best job in television. It's certainly the best job for me, loving the sport as I do. But at 12.01, when the Eastern time, when the show goes off the air and I can go to the bus awaiting, you know, the game at the site where we are and have, you know, usually it's five monitors up. Sometimes two of them are tied together and you can only get four games, but five monitors, remote in hand, kind of a darkened area in the back of the bus, close the door and just watch the games. That is just a little slice of heaven to me. It's, it's a, great feeling. I I can't think of many things in my professional life that I enjoy more than that time on Saturday afternoon, just being immersed in all of the games. I couldn't agree more. I obviously have not had that experience yet, but, um, you know, 19 years as a national college football writer, some of my favorite Saturdays are home sitting Mm -hmm. back and just trying to consume it all. And you got a laptop up here, you got your phone here, you got your split screen here. And then you're just sort of like the quintessential college football Saturday for me is dizzying. Like you don't know. And then you're like, wait a minute, Notre Dame's down 14, nothing. What channel is that? Like, and that to me is what no other sport gives you. And the NFL has red zone and it has some, you know, days where things heat up, but it's nothing like a full unspooling slate, especially because like games go into four overtimes and they take five hours and like other games are starting. And that is some of my favorite moments covering college football and consuming college football. It's just like pure chaos is unfolding and you can't keep up. Making this, the, 
the decision every week whether to stay for the game at the game day site, which I do most of the time, but uh, the overwhelming majority of the time. So that's changed a little bit in the last couple of years with the COVID things. But pre-COVID, now that we're now that we're in the in a good situation in that regard, now almost always stayed for the game. But one of the things that you do consider is exactly what you're talking about. If I leave immediately afterward, depending on the flight schedules, if I get home, will I be able to consume not only, I don't like to say consume, watch. Will I be able to watch not only the game where game day emanated from, but be able to watch three or four others simultaneously without having to try to keep up with the score on the sideline of the game where you are, and I can watch it all. So you're right. It's really attractive sometimes um, to go home and watch. And I don't want to get into the business aspect of this, but it is that is also something because television networks have made the viewing experience so awesome that keeping fannies in the seats, especially if you know if it's 112 degrees in Gainesville, is difficult because they can be in uh, in the throes of comfort and and watch all of the games instead of just watching one. But I can't wait to do that anyway. Yeah, I I am I'm a, I'm a thousand percent with you, and, and week zero is just like the perfect little tease. I do wish they had the, the kickoff classic back. And remember Miami played Florida two years ago, maybe awesome. pre COVID yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, it's like give us give us something to plant the flag and, and and rally everybody. And and I do think as this and this is a longer conversation for another time. I do think as the schedule changes and the playoff evolves, week zero is going to kind of become week one, mm-hmm. and you know, everything's going to get pushed back a little bit and we're going to kind of roll and evolve from there. So we're going to have a competition because Fridays are the days for picks. We, we had a legendary uh, coordinating producer at ESPN several years ago. Worked, loved all the sports, worked with me a lot on college basketball. Uh, had this uh, great dialect and he would, he would often uh, tell Billis, tell Jay Billis, JB! Just tell me who and by how many. <laughs> the fans want to know. They want to know who and by how many. You can make the greatest point ever in one of your stories or on college game day. And at the end of the day, what do you get drilled about by fans? You didn't pick my team. You think my team stinks. Or you did pick my team and we love you. You know, that's, I mean, people want you, they want to know who you think is going to win, and then they revel in it when you inevitably miss several games, which we will. And so we're going to, we're going to put stakes on this in our competition with state. Now, Bill Connolly is going to be with us too, who's a numbers guru and expert. Is, is Bill in on uh, the copious portions of beef that will be at stake here, pun intended? I mean, if it's up to me, I am. I don't know. You know, that, That's for other people to decide, but uh, I am certainly – I'm game. Is, is I'm it, happy to have it, Bill help pick up the tab on my stakes. I, I, don't, I don't have any problem with that. Is, Bill, <laughs> Bill, is it, Bill, is it cheating that you use the formula? And, and here's the real question. If you're involved in this too, how often will you scoff in the general direction of your formula and go with your gut and say, I know what my formula says, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm picking Charlotte or whatever. Oh, wow. You actually kind of got one of those that, that I was going to say today. So congrats on that one already. Um, you no, think, I, you I, think I, this is my first time doing this, Bill? <laughs> Man, it's like you can see my computer. Um, I, 
am a, an amazing overthinker. I know what the numbers say. I, I try to gather information just enough to be able to, to do the whole on one hand, but on the other hand thing. And I go into a spiral with my picks. I'm terrible at it because uh, I can overthink and convince myself of anything. So you really probably don't have anything to fear right here, but hopefully I'm wrong about that. <laughs> I do think, Reese, before we kind of deliver our picks, like we're hoping people bring us into their their commute to games on Fridays, their drive to work on Fridays, maybe their Saturday morning run before they settle in to watch game day, whatever it is. I do think it would be instructive for the listener to like if we kind of gave them a little window into how we pick games, um, just like what you, do we go by research feel? I think getting a little window into some of Bill's formulas would be, would be interesting. And like when he, when he analyzes game and looks at it and picks it, how much is numeric based? What numbers does he go on? So do you think that's a, a good idea? Just give people a little peek into um, the thinking or lack of thinking that may, uh, that may go into this. Yeah. So what, what is it, Bill? <laughs> You know, I usually, I, I don't like going against the the numbers unless I have a real reason to, you know, early on here, the number, my numbers aren't going to really help because they're very, very close to the spread across the board. Like if we're talking, you know, Nebraska minus 13 or whatever, I have like Nebraska by 13.9. Well, like what's, so I'm going to have to use gut in this case and it's going to go very poorly. Okay. Let, let me ask you this. You said, unless I have a really good reason, mm-hmm. what's an example of a really good reason that would make you go against your numbers? Uh, later in the season, it's going to be, you know, just injuries and things like that. You know, my, my SP plus ratings are not, are kind of intentionally designed to be the first step, but they don't adjust for injuries. It's so tricky to do that really well. Um, so, you know, if I know the starting quarterbacks out and, and I know he's particularly, you know, it's like a three or four point difference probably between the backup and the starter, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use that uh, and I'll kind of incorporate that. But otherwise I just kind of, you know, Early in the season, like I know my numbers are wrong about USC, for instance. I don't think USC is a top 10 team by any means, but, you know, because there is no precedent, that's a big part of any sort of projection system, right? Like the precedent involved. We have no precedent for what happens when you take on 20 starters or 20 transfers and they include a five-star quarterback and the Bolitnikov winner (laughs) and some of the pieces that they've added. We have, like, there's no precedent for that at all. So my numbers have them ranked in the 40s because they were horrible last year. That's not right. I, I don't think they're top 10, but they're not in the 40s either. And I'll, I'll kind of adjust accordingly based on that. You know, I, I look at the numbers when I make picks every week. Certainly, I, I look at yours. Your, uh, your system, SP Plus, is phenomenal. Um, I look at the EPAs and you know, expected points added and FPI and all of those things. And I still find myself probably more influenced than anything by what I perceive is either momentum or coming off a really high level or really poor performance. And knowing that unless a team is just awful, a poor performance is (laughs) unlikely to follow again the next week. And if you were off the charts, huge emotional game, then maybe I would be less inclined to pick you to, to lay a, to lay a big number against a a decent (laughs) team. You know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I think I'm influenced as much by what I perceive to be as the momentum of the season, uh, as much as, as much as anything else. Now, obviously, look, if you, if you watch two teams and you, you've seen them a couple of times over the course of the year and you go, they, they won't be able to move their defensive line at all, you know, then, then that, that trumps everything to me because that's not likely to go away. But if, but if things are, 
you know, relatively even evenly matched, at least in the neighborhood or as it pertains to covering the spread. I'm more inclined to go with the momentum. Where does something fall on your schedule? Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Everybody's thinking Alabama's going to go undefeated in the regular season. I think they probably will too. But with all of the buildup, focusing on the Texas A&M game, October 8th, if Alabama has, let's say, a performance as they often have in that spot over the years, then the next week is on the road at Tennessee, if memory serves me correctly. Now, I think Tennessee's a good team. They're not good enough to beat Alabama, absent help from Alabama, but that's the perfect emotional spot to get that. So I would probably be inclined to take whatever the point spread would be there. That's just an example. Well, and my numbers love Tennessee for some reason, and it makes me kind of nervous. So it'll be picking Tennessee in that game too. But um, what could possibly go wrong overestimating the balls? But maybe maybe this is the year. I uh, I don't have any any particular deep rooted philosophy. Uh, so on on my former podcast at my former job at at Yahoo, we picked games every week, and I would normally be like googling things about the games while the other people were making their picks and uh it's <laughs> the best and, philosophy man yes and and i uh and especially during covid because you'd be like whoa who's play you know those games were just a mess to try to pick right like um but i do think like there's gut and hunch i tend to more often like if i ever make a pick and i hate it which i think we're all going to do at some point mm-hmm. here 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 down the line oh, yeah. like it's usually just like don't even make the pick you're going to hate because then you're just going to sit there on Saturday and be mad at yourself more than uh, more than anything else. But I I won 60 percent in the regular season last year against against the number. And it was mostly by not doing research. Now, again, I'm picking things up during the week, just randomly talking to people, just how these things go. So uh, sometimes it's not totally blind, but sometimes I'll talk to five scouts and 10 coaches about a specific matchup and feel like I got it dialed in and just be completely massively wrong too. So there is uh there is sometimes over research and in, in, in under research, but yeah, well, uh, I, I look forward to, I think there's a nice blend here of, uh, of different perspectives and how we, uh, and how we look at everything that, that should make for some interesting, uh, for some interesting fodder. Before we move on, we've got a couple of things going on at ESPN podcast that we want to mention. First, Fantasy-focused football firing on all cylinders, new episodes five days a week. ESPN fantasy football experts Field Yates, Stefania Bell, Mike Clay, and Daniel Dopp provide all the information you need to draft your fantasy football team for this season. Expert analysis, debates, news and notes each weekday on fantasy-focused football. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss Hulu's Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers featuring never-before-seen archival footage of Kobe Bryant and 120 new and revealing interviews from players like Shaq, Magic, and Kareem. Watch as the 10-part documentary series chronicles the team's extraordinary story from the inside. It is streaming now on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
let's uh let, let's get let's get to it. We've made the people wait on a Friday before week zero long enough. Let's <laughs> let, let's get uh let's get producer Taylor in here. You're gonna lay out the games, right, Taylor, and give us the point spread. And and for the record, we're competing. Winner gets free steak, losers buy. Oh, real novel concept, huh? But we're going to better not be at like Longhorn, by the way. No, this is like like legit. This is like (laughs) Like Peter Luger's. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Unless unless Longhorn would like to sponsor our podcast (laughs) and then we'll them or any of the other chain steakhouses, then we'll do that, too, Um, because we're never against the sponsor. So we're picking against the number. If you want to throw in, look, I, you know, I think the proverbial Corso closer than the experts think, but you think somebody's going to win, then feel free, have at it. But lay out the week zero games and let's make some picks and 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 get off to what will likely be a terrible start and make some picks. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we're going to pick five games here, and I'm going to save our, our headliner for the last one. So let's start with Utah State, a 27 and a half point favorite over UConn, who I just saw their defensive coordinator has mysteriously disappeared without explanation, will remain on the payroll, and they might not get another defensive coordinator this year. It might be defensive coordinator by, uh, you know, teamwork and friendship. So what do you guys think? I'll, I'll start here. The nutmeg state of Connecticut uh, has had many travails in the football program recently. Um you're often asked which new coach has the toughest road to hoe. It is Jim Mora, and it ain't close. Uh, football is not terribly important in this state as a whole, though it has produced some some quality players uh, for sure, some star players. And the state of the program is one that is floundering there. So you have the Aggies who have a lot of players back and. They won 11 games. They've got Alabama next week. Warm up. I'm going to I'm gonna lay it and laugh, man. I mean, I know that's a bunch of points, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to, what did you say it was? 27? 27 and a hook. 27 and a hook. I'd, I'd probably lay 35. I'll, I'll, I'll take Utah <laughs> State and lay it. Bill, you want to go? Yes, I agree with the, all the logic that was just laid out there. Uh, I've also been yelled at all off season by Utah state fans for how much my numbers uh, don't didn't like them last year and still don't think they're the best team in the mountain West. Um, they had that kind of won a close, a bunch of close games, but you know, since we won the conference, we're now the best team in the conference and we will be forever and ever kind of thing. So I, it, that number to me, that 27 or so number includes kind of probably a little inflation on the Utah state side. Um, it includes UConn probably, well, never say probably in this case. In theory, probably not going to ever be worse than they've been the last couple of years. I realize that you know it could happen, but you know just a, a little bit of change there probably makes things better. Uh, my numbers are more like Utah State by twenty five and a half. Uh, we're talking about making picks that we hate. I, I love being able to say I've I've got stakes on picking UConn, but we're going to go <laughs> UConn just to. Uh, just to make things a little different here, something in the neighborhood of like a forty-two to seventeen kind of deal. It'll be close to the spread, but we're gonna we're gonna go under. Well, one of the unfortunate parts for you guys of inviting me on this podcast is I can drag you down some rabbit holes, and I have a uh, feature on UConn football running this week. I live in Boston. I went down to Bristol and stopped by and saw Coach Mora while uh, on one of those trips. And the most fascinating number to me, and this speaks to Bill's. Uh, 
unpredictability of college football now. They have 40 new players out of their 82 <laughs> scholarship players. Now, that literally was not legal to happen two years ago in college football. So there will be some sort of talent upgrade there. Um, and again, I, I've been to a lot of schools and a lot of springs over the years. I call it new car scent. There is some new car scent at UConn. You know, Jim Mora back at it. He actually lives in a haunted house. There's your fun fact. He lives in a house on campus that they believe to be haunted. Um, all that said, I believe UConn will be better, but I would sit there with a pit in my stomach, like praying they cover the 27 and a half um, with stake online. I am going to bet against UConn until UConn gives me a reason to not bet against them. And maybe some of that's bias. I, I can't break down for you. Uh, they're going to start the, the transfer from Penn State uh, very likely in, the, in their opener. So they'll have a little sizzle and a little movement at quarterback they will be better but i just think that is a hard opener for them i am going to take logan bonner i mean utah state returns what 11 12 starters bill something like that yeah not a ton um, i mean they did lose yeah. quite a few uh, yeah. solid they've, players they've yeah. got i think seven on offense five on defense um, yeah so, but yeah. bonner's back it's a big deal so. i am uh i am not counting on uconn until they give me a reason to count on them and I, that's that statement could go on in per- perpetuity but they've just been remember their opener last year and again it's very different i want to stress it's a very different team it's a very different roster like there's always one game opening weekend that's like a three touchdown spread where somebody wins oh and yeah like yeah and you're gonna you're gonna see one of those i'm just not throwing my hat in the ring <laughs> on the old huskies here yeah yeah and you know and speaking of transfers uh, utah state's added you know some power five receivers added a defense back from Miami. So they've, uh, they've, they've upgraded the talent too. So that's probably more than, that's probably more than anyone will talk about UConn this entire season. You just haven't lived until you've put money on UConn or UMass. I'm telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Gambling's wrong kids. What's the next game? Next game, FAU is an eight-point favorite over Charlotte. I know Bill Connolly probably knows this, but to reheat a trivia question from the last pod, who is FAU's starting quarterback? Oh, did they name mm. um, Are they still going with Nkosi Perry, or did, they, did somebody overtake him? No, we went with Nkosi Perry. We're assuming he's still starting because, well, I just we sort of played that game. He's still here? You know, so yeah. And he had a big game. He had a big game against uh, Charlotte last time. And, you know, they've added a transfer running back as well from Nebraska. Yep. But look, I know Charlotte's defense wasn't very good, but sort of speaking to what Pete was talking about earlier about surprises, I like FAU to win, but in this particular case, case I think you know Will Healy's done a nice job they beat Duke last year I think which you know it's not great shakes but they stepped up and they've done some positive things didn't finish as well as I started I'll um I'll take the points there uh what am I getting eight Taylor just say eight eight and a half yes eight points nine just say nine eight <laughs> points okay all right I'll 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 take I'll take the 49ers in the points although I think FAU will win the game yeah, I, I can agree with that, especially if it's moved up to eight. When I wrote everything down, it was seven. And that was like right at what my projection said, and I was kind of conflicted. But I can I can lean into uh, eight a little bit. Charlotte really does have a lot of really fun, uh, really super experienced offense and, and a kind of a proven offense. Their, their defense was absolute dreck last year. And um, you know, we don't necessarily have a ton of reason to assume that'll change. But I think they can keep up on the scoreboard for a while anyway. So I'm going to drill in on some of the fun parts of this matchup. You mentioned Nikosi Perry. The FAU staff 
is just like it's like a it's like a a random that guy's there list that's that's pretty impressive. All right, Willie Taggart's obviously a head coach. Most of our listeners, by the way, the way the Bill answered the Nikosi Perry question wasn't is Nikosi Perry the quarterback? Is it obviously Nikosi Perry's the quarterback? Did he get beat out? Like that that the the, the tone of that answer was much appreciated. <laughs> have, if you are listening Johnson? to a Week Zero Picks podcast, you want Bill Connolly on the podcast <laughs> just because he answered the question that way. So. Todd Orlando of Texas and USC fame is the FAU defensive coordinator. Ed Warner of Ohio State, oh, yeah. Minnesota, and Michigan fame is the offensive line coach, run game coordinator. Billy Gonzalez is the wide receivers coach. He was with Urban at Utah and then with Dan at uh, Mississippi State in Florida, our new colleague, Dan Mullen, for, for a number of years. Dante Pimpleton's a longtime, uh, longtime assistant at, at a high level. He's the running backs coach there. Uh, you know, Brent Deerman was Kansas's offensive coordinator. I, it is, a, it is a very compelling football staff. So Charlotte did beat Duke last year. It was the night before the Clemson Georgia game, yeah, yeah, and I actually, yeah. I actually went to the game and covered it. The kid who made the the game-winning touchdown pass, or I wrote about that. And I Grant Dubose is a wide receiver at Charlie's on the Bolitnikoff watch list. The COVID year, he worked at Walmart. So there aren't a lot of guys who are going to be drafted to the NFL who were working the previous two seasons before uh, at at Walmart full-time. Yeah, Chris Reynolds is back at quarterback for Charlotte. Charlotte's pretty good. I am going to take FAU because I feel like things have finally sort of come together now. There's a collection of talent there that is, uh, that, that is higher end, and Charlotte has upgraded their defensive staff uh, and shaken things up there a little bit, but I will, I want empirical evidence. I am not, uh, I am not going to go on belief of upgrade. I need to see tangible evidence of upgrade. I want to add a rule, uh, Taylor, as we go forward with this, uh, (laughs) that we rotate who picks last so that you can (laughs) always go contrarian pick. That's something I do on, on game day on Saturdays. If you have, consensus across the board i mean i'm going the other way because uh, so we should rotate each week who gets to pick last so that we'll have an equal why don't we rotate each pick at contrarian picks okay I, we can do that too i don't care yeah. we just we just shake shake the lineup up taylor can tee us up after he tees up the game he can say you know respill pete all right there you go well, let's right. go. Can you, can you handle that, Taylor? I don't want to put too much on your plate. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a simple man. Yeah. Reese knows yeah. that, you know, I have a troubling track record. Bill, a little bit too. <laughs> Pete, you're about to find out. Um, okay. Let's go to the next game. Vanderbilt, an eight-point favorite in Hawaii. Pete, <laughs> let's go Pete, Reese, Bill. So fascinating game in, in a lot of ways. Uh, two programs that have undergone a lot of change. Vanderbilt's overhauling the roster under uh, under Clark Lee. Timmy Chang is back on the sideline yeah. at, at Hawaii. We do not know who uh, Hawaii's quarterback is going to be yet. It has not been announced, but it's assumed the incumbent is going to uh, is going to start. But they do have a transfer from Washington State who's in the mix there. I have found over the years Hawaii to be one of the more difficult teams to pick. Because of this, the, all the travel vagaries that that go with them. When in doubt, I have learned to pick Hawaii at home. You rarely get disappointed when you pick Hawaii at home. And Vanderbilt has a long way to go. They feel like they're better. They feel like the first class is in place. But there's just a lot of variables when you travel that far. I think Vanderbilt left like uh, early in the week on about Tuesday to to go out and and, and get settled for this. So 
I am going to, these are both programs that need an injection of life. Clark Lee brought that early. Timmy Chang has brought that in the wake of, uh, of, of Todd Graham and just sort of the, the spiral that that program was in. I, I, I'm going to take the feel-good rainbow pick here. From my years in the college football studio on Saturdays with uh, my friend Mark May, whose jersey graces the wall above me, we would stay up college football final until the final game was completed on the day. And on myriad occasions, when the final game of the evening was in Hawaii, if the game was close late, uh, and I would never accuse anyone donning striped shirts of outright malfeasance, intentional <laughs> malfeasance. But I will say this. If the game is close late, there is an extraordinarily high chance that a crucial call will go against you if you are not from those islands. An extraordinarily high chance. And because of that, hmm. though Vanderbilt should be better, um, and, and probably even in its current state, a more talented roster, and when you also consider uh, Vanderbilt's long and storied history under a variety of coaches of absolute early season face plants, I will, I will take Hawaii in the points and feel like there's a decent chance in the uh, first game of the Timmy Chang era to pull the upset. But I will definitely take Hawaii <laughs> in the points. And if it is close, Vandy, if you can put it away early, you'd better. <laughs> because if it's close late, there's going to be trouble. Now, Did you know go- Timmy Chang's dad was an official? His dad was a referee. No, that's a true. That's a true story. And when he was hot, that was very early in my career. That was sort of like the 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 feature I would do on Timmy Chang is that his dad was a referee. So I'm not just I'm not insinuating anything, but I'm just accentuating your point. I would not I would not be stunned if uh, Timmy's entire family uh, <laughs> were calling the game. And and now I can wait on the call from Steve Shaw, the uh, director of officials. In three, two, it's a joke, Steve. Now, do these rules apply if they're not playing at Aloha Stadium? That's, that's kind of what I want to know here. We're at the the, T, the Clarence T.C. Ching complex for the next couple of years, I guess. Which um, sounds like the soccer stadium, right? So uh, you've now left me in a horrible situation where technically following the rules, I have to pick Vanderbilt. I will say um, in my returning production formula that I use, it's part of the SP Plus projections, um, it's kind of in theory, it's supposed to be kind of a, an upgraded returning starters figure where, you know, the percentage of passing yards uh, returning matters more than the percentage of rushing yards and this and that. And it's kind of weighted for what generally applies to a, a improvement and regression. Uh, there have been since 2014, that's as far back as I, I have data. There have been two teams that returned under 30% of their production in that time. Um, just a really low number. It was 2015 Kansas, which I believe was coming off of Charlie Weiss. Uh, they had gone three and nine. They ranked 102nd in SP plus. Uh, they 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 returned something like 25 percent of their production the next year, and they fell to 0 and 12 and 123rd. 2017 Air Force uh, returned 27 percent of their production. They always deal with uh, a lot of turnover, but this was a lot of turnover, and they went from 10 and three and 53rd in SP plus to five and seven and 88th. Uh, Hawaii returns 20. 27%. Nevada returns 22%. Actually, the, the, it's a, uh, it's kind of dire for a couple of those mountain West programs. Wyoming's really low too. So uh, I do feel like uh, 
you know, Hawaii is going to need officials on their side, perhaps, because it's going to be a tough year for them otherwise. Um, and my numbers still, taking all that into account, still project Vanderbilt to only win by five and a half points. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, Vandy. Oh, no. Because Vanderbilt is projected 108th overall. Um you have to believe in some sort of second year leap to, to really push that program forward because there's no evidence of, of just a whole lot of success there. Uh, you've pinned me into a corner where I'm supposed to take Vanderbilt and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make this pick unanimous and I'm going to challenge them to defy it because that's how low their numbers are. And we'll be delighted if they do. And we'll be delighted for Hawaii if they win too. We have yes. no rooting interest other than winning the stake. Absolutely. All right. All right. Next up, we've got the fighting Burt Belimas minus 11 <laughs> against Wyoming. Bill, you, let's go Bill Pete Reese. Well, okay. But first, you doubled down uh, on an earlier podcast. I mentioned that we affectionately refer to Brett as, as Burt because of the spelling of his name. But you doubled down. You not only called him Burt, you mispronounced his last name, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Why, why would you? I'm a simple man, Reese. I just told you I can't handle that much. Reading things out loud, you're putting a lot on my plate over here. All right. All right. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, I like Illinois' defense. Um, I will start with that. It, it might struggle to hit last year's uh, heights. They did lose a lot in the in both the linebacking core and secondary, but Ryan Walters did just kind of uh, some miraculous stuff with that defense last year, making it really tough. He loves man coverage, and I just didn't think he had the guys to play as much man coverage as he wants, but he kind of pulled it off. Um, they are an official Big Ten West program in that they play defense and off and, you know, just kind of accidentally score points sometimes. So I, I like what they're bringing to the table in this matchup because Wyoming's extremely inexperienced, like I was saying. Um, this is you, you, you kind of make an assumption about was about playing Wyoming at this point and that it's, you know, going to probably be low scoring. It's not going to be any fun at all. It's going to be extremely physical. Uh, but I don't think they have enough firepower currently to actually win this game. And I think, you know, that my numbers say like Illinois by 11.8, it's going to be right there at the line. So I don't get really any advantage from that, but I feel like this is a game like the Illinois can win in like the 28 to 14 range and, and cover. I promise I'm not going to agree with Bill all the time. So culture wise, I like where Wyoming is. I feel yes. like they, they've, they've, they've built it to the point where they're like, a little mountain Westy North Dakota state, they're not going to win that much, but they are going to hit you. They're going to have, they, they've had like a run at middle linebacker there where guys have gotten drafted. Like they are sort of a tough, nasty program. And you got to give Craig bull credit for establishing it. That said, when you have transfers who leave for Texas, their best receiver, Oklahoma, UCLA, two of their best corners running back, their best maybe player uh, other than the receiver goes to Arizona state. Uh, a defensive end who goes to Northwestern, a defensive end who goes to USC. Like when you have that kind of exodus, I'm not going to pick you on the road against a big 10 team because if this is like a Wyoming team with a bunch of juniors and seniors, like heck I might pick you to upset them. But when, when you are at that mountain less group of five level, those, those caliber players who are draftable players are like precious gemstones. And it feels to me like this Wyoming offseason, they lost all their precious gemstones. Uh, yes. For Illinois, 
I'm fascinated by Tommy DeVito. Um, now, again, we don't have biases here, but we're all from somewhere, right? So we're going to pay more attention to others. Tommy DeVito, I, so I live in Boston. I went to Syracuse. I, you know, I've worked in the Northeast, lived in the Northeast, um, making me the one college football fan in this region of the country, right? Um, Tommy DeVito is from New Jersey. He was an Elite 11 quarterback, and he he went to Syracuse. He was Dino Babers' first marquee recruit, um, probably the biggest recruit since he got there. And it did not work out for Tommy DeVito at Syracuse, in part because the year after they won 10 games, which I think was 17, he got slaughtered like I've never seen a quarterback get slaughtered. It was a jailbreak every week. He was the most sacked quarterback in the country. There were a lot of people in that program who believed Tommy DeVito had the talent. Then, you know, if you get hit that much, you get the yips. You don't blame the kid for that. You blame the scheme for that. And so there's a lot of people in that program who really believe Tommy DeVito has NFL talent and he has high-end talent and was not in a position because of that scheme to show it. And so, again, we get enamored. If you're a five-star, you 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 get – and he wasn't a, quite a five-star. But if you're a four-star, five-star, you get the benefit of a doubt for a long time. So in the back of my mind, when I hear about his arm talent, and I remember some of the downfield throws he threw in in relief of Dungy that 10-win that season, I'm really curious to see what Barry Lunny can do with Tommy DeVito. Now, I don't think they've announced him as the starter yet. But anyway, that's one of my rabbit holes. All three Illinois quarterbacks on scholarship are from New Jersey. Art Sikowski, Tommy DeVito, and Devin Leary's little brother, Donovan Leary. Uh, is the incoming freshman. They do have a, a walk-on who's in the mix there too, who's not from New Jersey. That is bizarre. That is odd. And that is that is that is the type of useless information you can count on me for on this podcast. And, and you know, DeVito and Sitkowski could be part of the Nikosi Perry game that you would yes. play, still playing, not still playing, you know, or sort of like the Tommy Hodson thing from back in the day of LSU, who <laughs> was at LSU for about 10 years. Um I'm I'm not going to beat it to death. I agree with everything you guys have said. Um, I love on the super dog segment on college game day. I love picking Brown mustard, but just, just too many dudes lost second year with Bielema, uh, good running game, good backs. Um, I think I'll take Illinois to cover, to cover that game wide open big 10 West I would be surprised if uh, you know if Illinois is in the mix for that at the end, but you know, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world, you know, if they if they did. They do have to go to Michigan, I think, later on, just simply because I think everybody in that division is pretty good, and I think that we'll we'll find out, you know, just what level of pretty good uh, Illinois is after their you know first two three games. Yeah, I, I do have a problem with Illinois, you know, playing a Big Ten West style, but I, I don't trust them to do it as well as I trust Wisconsin to do it and Iowa to do it and probably Minnesota to do it at this point. The big burly man ball thing, I'm going to trust the teams. I feel like Illinois should have, like, zigged when everybody else was zagging in this case, but well, they do it. Bring that back got, Juice Williams? That, that, got, that got Burt fired at Arkansas. <laughs> that's true. I mean, yeah. fair fair point, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah very fair point. I mean, so I, I think he should stick to what he does. Okay, this is going to make everybody everybody mad, and I don't want to go off our picks too far. I'm not in on Wisconsin, and I'm not in mm. on Iowa's offense, and that's no. why that's why I, I I'm picking Minnesota to win that think, division. Minnesota's going to win that division, playing the Big Ten championship game. Now it's not going to go well for them 
once they get there. But uh, but I think during the regular season that they that they can have a. a they did really, play the Buckeyes pretty salty last year. That opened did. Thursday. They did. Yeah. You know they yeah. what Ibrahim had like 160 yeah. yards and not not quite three quarters before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I'm going to go with Minnesota and. Short of that, I'd probably go with Nebraska, who I know we're going to talk about. <laughs> soon, but I, I, I just can't until I find out they're not going to fumble punts or something. So I'm going Illinois. I'm going Illinois over brown mustard and the cover. All right, here's the centerpiece of week zero, the Emerald, if you will. Nebraska, a 13-point favorite. Over Northwestern in Ireland. Do you guys ever been to Ireland before? Let's go Reese Bill P. <laughs> yes. I have not. I have not. And I live in South Boston, which is an Irish sort of enclave here in, uh, here in the States. But no, I, uh, I actually may go next year. Is it good for podcasts to reveal what, it doesn't bother me in the least, but to reveal <laughs> what some would consider a somewhat embarrassing fact about yourself? That's what, that's what podcasts are for. Yes. Okay. I I don't have nor have I ever possessed a passport. The only time huh. I the only time I've ever left the United States of America was when I worked in um, Flint, Michigan, and you could go to Windsor, Ontario, for dinner just by showing them your driver's license. And my uh, newlywed wife at the time and I did that on several occasions, <laughs> but uh, I've never applied for or had a passport. So the answer to your question about Ireland is no, but prior to COVID, the show was on the way there for Notre Dame Navy. So I was going to get to do that, but I, I just haven't. So it's a wide world out there, Reese. There are a lot of great things to see across the fruited plain of the United States of America too. (laughs) I've been to all 50 States. Have you? And I, and I love them all, but yeah, the world, the world outside there's broad and vast and uh, pretty, pretty entertaining. Well, I'm uh what country would you tell Reese to go to, Bill? If you had, to, if he could go, like on his, if you could plan his first trip, I already, already have. I already have number one on my list. If I, if I ever choose to do this, but go ahead, which Bill. is Italy, followed closely by Germany. Okay, okay. I was, I was going to, and this is just recency on my part. I went to Germany in May um, for soccer stuff, and it is probably in terms of. Uh, this is what I've tried to explain to my wife and kid. We're going to get over there at some point. And I think Germany is the perfect place to start just because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, they speak more English in certain parts than others, and that can be an obstacle sometimes, but they, most of them speak English and the trains are mostly on time and you can get around and um, it's a pretty nice first step before you go to any more complicated places, I would say. We, we did go to Montreal once and I was told before we went there. And again, this was, when you could show your driver's license and and drive through. And I was told that, um, that they, even though that everyone speaks English that many times, if they know that you're a visitor, they choose not to. So I, (laughs) I, I took Spanish. I don't, I don't speak it well or anything, but I never took any French, but I learned one French phrase that disarmed people. And then they went ahead and spoke English to me that I used on a couple of occasions. And I try to stay away from foul language, but I thought in this particular instance, it might (laughs) deliver the intended message. So I would say to people, if they, you know, were acting as if they didn't understand me, I would say mon français, mon chmerd, which is um, my 
French um, eat something quite unappetizing. They would uh, they would then chuckle <laughs> and then speak to me in English, and it was very helpful. Well, German, it, Germany is the opposite. German, um, as soon as you, even if you try to speak the language, um, as soon as you kind of, you know, there's a, a tone that's a little off, an accent that's not quite right, they'll go American, and then they'll flip to perfect <laughs> English uh, just to prove uh, hey, that they know English better than you know German. Hey, you know, and, and that's probably true. I had, uh, I had friends uh, come, come to our house um, and visit newlywed couple, one of whom who works with us and um, his, his bride is from Japan and she speaks very little English. So I had him uh, over the course of dinner teaching me very small phrases in Japanese so that I could try to try to make her feel as welcome as possible. This Pete, if you haven't met the great foo, you will when you're traveling with us on college game day. Foo is I might have met ab- Foo at the draft. Was he absolute, at the draft? Oh yeah. Absolute yeah. legend. I mean, right. this dude. This dude can. This dude can make miracles happen. All right. Where where were we on this podcast anyway? Get we're going to pick, we're gonna pick a very mediocre football game that we're all going to like watch, like it's the you know AFC title <laughs> game. Yeah. Who who's first, Taylor? Who's picking Nebraska Northwestern? Back to the old rotation: Reese, Bill, and then Pete to close it. Okay, I'm uh, I'm going. It's thirteen. I, I'm really high on Nebraska. Um, because surely your which means you're probably to, high on something else, but yeah, I know. But I mean, I mean in terms of you, your luck, can't be bad forever. Um, <laughs> oh, and eight in one score games last year, five and 20 in one score games under Scott Frost. Uh, it lost all nine games by single digits last year. Nobody's ever done that in the AP poll era. Surely a bounce has to go their way sooner or later. The coldest Crawford has an NIL deal <laughs> with an air conditioning company. Surely he can find a way to have them install ductwork into the seat of Scott Frost pants to, <laughs> to cool off his rather warm seat. All that said, I cannot, I cannot, knowing their propensity to play close games, to find a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, I cannot <laughs> pick them to cover anything. So I will take Fitzgerald in a bounce back year, even with their uh, predisposition to starting season slowly. I will take Northwestern and the points with the caveat saying that I think Nebraska is going to have a really improved year. And Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a good change for everybody. All of the transfers they have coming in. I think Adrian Martinez is going to be really good at Kansas state. Um, So I think it, I'm going to say that Nebraska wins the game, but Northwestern keeps it keeps it fairly close. Yeah, the idea of picking against a guy named Pat Fitzgerald uh, in yeah. Dublin is yeah. is rough. Tough. That's kind yeah. of tough to overcome. I'm going to overcome it. So I'm gonna we're gonna leave it to Pete to where he doesn't have to. He he can be the tiebreaker on this one. I'm picking Nebraska. Uh, they I mean they did blow out Northwestern last year. That's how bad things got for Northwestern last year. Yeah, um, they couldn't keep it close against a team that where that had every game close. There's I, I've always kind of fiddle with the idea of like a close game formula where yes, it's, it's extremely random in many, many, many ways. But if you got 
the right quarterback play and, and the right quarterback decision-making you've got good special teams and then you've got a coach who just, who, who understands, you know, the proper technique of a four minute drill and a two minute drill and all those things that, that it makes a, a difference in those close games. Northwestern's been phenomenal in close games through the years and mm-hmm. they never had the quarterback, but they had the right decision-making and the right timing and, and special teams and all that. Nebraska special teams was just egregiously horrible last season. Uh, Adrian and they Martinez cheated, was, by the way, to have an extra coach, and they yeah. still were that bad. They got an NC actual NCAA violations for which, an analyst which, yeah. doing, yeah, which they should have had a special teams coordinator. That's another whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah but, but like, what, but what a stupid thing to be worried oh, about with the size of the staff. Now, what I agree, idiotic thing to. Florida's team picture had more polos than uniforms in it. I think we're, this is a, yeah. Um, no, I think there is a formula and Nebraska flunked that formula last year and it wasn't all random, but Oh, and eight in, in one score games. And what was it? What did you say? Five and 20 in the frost era? Five and 20. Like, yeah. That's it, it's, it's not, nobody can be that bad. That's, that's the logic I'm going on. And um, <laughs> even if they are bad in close games, again, I don't think this one's going to be particularly close. I just, this is kind of a dare to Northwestern, like prove you've got anything whatsoever on offense because it's been a long time. And then after Mike Hakewitz retired last year, the defense took a step back. Maybe that's That was just a temporary thing. And they'll, they'll kind of, bounce back. They're using a lot of transfers on the defensive line because their de- defensive line is gone from the last year uh, or almost gone. So I, I feel good. <laughs> I feel as good as you can possibly feel about picking Nebraska. Five, five games right out of the gate, I picked Nebraska and UConn and uh, I'm feeling awesome <laughs> about it. Am I crazy to think that Northwestern can just win this game? No. I guess a three I, and nine team. I mean, yeah. Like if that, if this spread was three and a half, I'd be thinking hard about North Northwestern. Now, again, last year was 56 to seven, I believe. So that yeah. you can't, you can't erase that from your mind and you have to factor that in. Um, now there's so many variables in this game. You're talking about flying overseas. You're, you're talking about a couple of, uh, of unproven quarterbacks. You know, there's a, there's a lot that can happen. I actually think this will be a low scoring and, and close game. And I think, I think Northwestern covers, like, I like Ryan Holinsky. Again, Fitz said he's not going to name a starter until, until everything happens. I also like Casey Thompson. I think Casey Thompson's a mm-hmm. perfectly functional college, college quarterback. But any notion that this game is going to be, like, wide open or ripping, I mean, Northwestern's best player is their left tackle, uh, Peter Skronsky, who I think will be a top 10 pick in the draft. People really, really like him, and I think they will sort of, they will sort of ride that. They'll ride Cam Porter, and I just can't imagine – uh, I, I can't, I don't want the feeling Bill's going to have on Saturday. And if I, if I lose, I'll at least lose like having a good day. So no, I will take Northwestern. And if they, if they come back with a win, remember the, the every other year thing, which I'm sure yeah, offends right. a lot of Bill's analytics. Um, but it, it is kind of real. Um, and the fact that they can replenish through the portal as they did on the defensive line gives me, uh, yeah, gives me a little hope. We could, uh, we could have Pat Fitzgerald celebrating with a Guinness uh, there, but I do think the, the cats cover and how, yeah, that's that's where I am. I think the Cats cover. And how about this one for your every other year deal? They've won the division title twice in four years, and the years they didn't, they were three and nine. So, right. and you know, they went from first in the Big Ten in scoring defense the previous year to last in twenty one. So, you know, we'll see see if there's a loss to Akron one of the years they won the division title, right? Right. Yeah. There was a year they won the division title and lost every non-conference game. And I don't think any of them were against power five opponents. If, if memory serves. So they've had, 
they've had some uh, some unusual paths uh, to say. To <laughs> There's say no the doubt. Least. There's no doubt too that you know part of the reason Northwestern has a very very good record through the years in close games is that certain games are close that shouldn't be. Um, and occasionally Akron, like Akron can kind of flip that script around on them a little bit too, but they're pretty good at keeping better teams close and keeping worse teams close. And, uh, you know, if, they, if this one's close, you have to trust that Northwestern's going to, you know, have, have a really good chance because they're just more comfortable there. But I'm, I'm going with the theory that this one's not close. Well, it, you're going to, Scott Frost needs it to be right. I don't think Scott yeah. has forgotten how to coach football or anything like that. But if you go to Dublin after what happened to them last year, and by that point margin that you mentioned was the, was the reason that despite being one and eight in Big Ten play, I think Nebraska had an even scoring margin. Right, yeah. lost eight games, won one, but they were they were a zero on scoring margin. They were even. If you lose that game. Boy, I mean, I don't like to do this early in the season. I wish no will will. Trev Alberts is a former uh, colleague of mine and remains a friend. And I don't use that term lightly because I always say typically you're friendly with coaches and executives. Very rare is the case when someone is actually a friend. Trev is. So I certainly don't wish them ill. But, I mean, if you lose this one, I'm not going to say it's over, but man, oh, man, it is really, really close because that will be hard to come back from, I think. You better beat Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, I, I think, I think beating Northwestern and Dublin is a far, uh, a far yeah. better proposition for them there. Yep. Despite the changes at Oklahoma. All right. Out drops from 15 million to seven and a half million on October 1st. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we don't, we don't, I mean, look, we're going to keep up with it. People listen to it. People are fascinated by it. Coaching searches are, uh, they carry drama that's fun, but I, I think is best for Nebraska and best for college football. Two things for Nebraska to be good and for them to be good under Scott Frost. And, and, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that happens, but obviously uh, with the whole fighting Reese Davis's thing from a couple of years ago, I have great affinity for Northwestern. So if they win, that would be, that'd be great too. So there we go. Feeling good about your picks, man. Hell no. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad I don't have to like, you know, we don't root, but I don't have to sit there and like sweat over UConn. Like, you know, if UConn has an uprising, like God bless Jim Mora, like let the fighting Jim Mora's, you know, go march the Capitol in Hartford or something. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to the people. Uh, The one thing we're human. Right. Uh, you sure. said earlier, people are from somewhere and you generally rather see your alma mater win than lose. But you, when you get to know people surrounding it, you're obviously able to handle that uh, in a different way than perhaps uh, people who aren't in professions where they, they meet the people involved all the time. But the one thing that we will, I'm certain, root for is we're watching games on Saturday, yet not let it bleed over into any commentary we might have, is our picks. Because we want to be able to come on here and, you know, and, and be kind of smug. Because I try to follow, <laughs> I try to follow the Lee Corso uh, mantra of uh, when, you, when you lose, say little. When you win, say less. <laughs> I'm not going to follow that. That's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, w- I would expect nothing, nothing less from the Northeast guy, the brash guy coming out there. <laughs> Got to play our role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Guys, this was fun. I look forward to doing it. And when we uh, get back together for a podcast, Bill will be with us to make picks on Fridays. And then Pete and I will be back on Monday. And it will be week one and a full slate of college football. We'll react to what happened in week zero, perhaps get a little bit better read on Northwestern, Nebraska, Illinois. There's a heavy dose of Big Ten to start this college football season in week zero. So uh, tune in. We look forward to uh, being with you again on Monday when the College Game Day podcast returns.